I had prepared a series that will start next week. And I do want to give a little promo for that series. And it's called This Is That. Comes from Acts chapter 2 where Peter said when they were going, these people are drunk. What's going on here? And Peter said, they're not drunk. This, what's happening is that which was prophesied. And I'm not going to be teaching from the book of Acts or even on the Holy Spirit necessarily, but it's going to be an end times series dealing with the current events that are happening, everything. And I will be saying for the next six to eight weeks, this, what's happening is that which was prophesied. And um, I honestly, I, I, I am totally pumped about it. And when, when you see all the things that are happening, brothers and sisters, I believe if this is true, we are in the last days. How many of you know this is true? And every time you go last days, a lot of Christians go, oh, it is not something to be fearful about. It is something to be excited about and to have joy because God keeps his promises. Anybody out there this morning, come on. Don't act like the 8 a.m. service. We don't have one. But next week, um, this is that. Bring your notepad. You, many of you are going to be just amazed at how specific the prophecies are that speak to this time. And um, as Dr. David Jeremiah says, you know, one thing's happening right now, and before we can even emotionally absorb that, another one happens. And um, Matthew chapter 24 says it will be just like that. And as Dr. Jeremiah said, I, I see this. And when he said it, when I read it a couple weeks ago, I believe this. Um, all the events happening in our world right now, they are not isolated events. Something is happening. And in the natural, it looks bad. But it's actually very good. That's all right. You don't have to get excited or even act. You don't believe me? Come back next week. I'm good. That's why I'm preaching it, because y'all need it, right? All right. This morning, the Lord just redirected me, and um, I've learned to go with that. Now, I want to talk to you for a few minutes about mismanaged blessings. And I do believe it's a, it's a true rhema word. The Lord wouldn't have totally redirected me less than 24 hours before I've got to preach. Um, but I've learned to roll with that. God is a, everybody look here. God is a God of blessing. And you don't need me to convince you of that. The Bible from Genesis to Revelation. You know, the Bible says he is abounding in love and faithfulness. Um, it is the Lord who gives us the ability to gain wealth. Um, he, everything about him is, is generous he is love. He doesn't just love us. He is love. He is a father like none of us have ever had. He is so faithful, so loving, so kind, so generous, um, so patient with us as his children. He'll wait on us. He'll work conditions and circumstances in our life to get us to trust him, to wake up and see how awesome he is. So before we start talking about mismanaged blessings, I want us to know that he is a God of blessing and um, he is so kind and loving and none of us deserve it. Even as I start talking about this stuff, I know a 
half of us go, I know he is, but I don't deserve it. And he's blessing everybody else, but I'm disqualified. No, if you're sitting here breathing and you've got two ears to listen, hear me. He loves you. His plan is not to harm you, but to give you a future and a hope and to prosper you. Amen. Second Corinthians chapter nine says, but this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity for God loves a cheerful giver. And here, listen, this is the verse I want you to get. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. Jesus in Matthew 7 says, so if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? Can somebody say how much more? Say it with me. Okay, we have a how much more. Can you imagine? I've told you before and Candace many times, in my next life, I'm not going to be married to Candace. I'm going to be one of her children. Because she takes care of her children. She takes care of me too, but now we have grandchildren and children to compete with. And she said, well, that's okay. You don't have to be married to me because next in my next life, I'm not going to be married to you either. I'm going to be your Jeep. <laughs> so Pastor Mun's counseling us and we're working through some issues. <laughs> but in all seriousness, you know how much you love your children. And Jesus has the audacity to say, your, your heavenly thought, it's, it's, it's so much more than you love your children. And then he says, how much more will your heavenly father give good gifts to those who ask him. Okay, now, we're going to look at a passage in the Old Testament, but I gotta set it up, okay? Um, Moses, in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 28, there's a very familiar passage of scripture. And this is to the children of Israel right before they go into the promised land, the place of promise, the place of destiny. And in Deuteronomy 28, he says this, if you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully keep all his commands that I'm giving you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the world. You will experience all these blessings if you obey the Lord your God. And then he mentions in verse three and four, your towns and your fields will be blessed, your children, crops will be blessed. Your offspring, your herds, flocks will be, your fruit baskets and breadboards will be blessed. I mean, he, he goes into great detail saying, but you are going to be blessed. Now these wilderness wanderers, former slaves are having a hard time grasping that. Verse six, he says, in fact, wherever, hear me somebody, wherever you go and whatever you do, you will be blessed. Then he goes, the Lord will conquer your enemies. When they attack you from one direction, they will scatter and flee from you in seven different directions. 
And then in verse 11, he says, the Lord will give you prosperity in the land he swore to your ancestors to give you, blessing you with many children, numerous livestock, and abundant crops. Now, this is at the end, near the end of, of Moses' life. And so they've been in the wilderness for years. And something happened early years ago with the children of Israel. Now, for the sake of those who don't know Old Testament or Hebrew Israelite history, I want to just give you a quick history lesson. They were slaves. The people of God, the Hebrews, the Israelites, were slaves in Egypt for 430 years, give or take. And they became slaves because they were not in the right place that God had given them in the first place. We like to jump and miss what happened between Abraham and Joseph and now them becoming slaves. In Genesis 12, the Bible says that God says, I'm going to bless you, Abram. I'm going to make you the father of many nations. I'm going to give you a place. I'm going to prosper you, make your name great. And Abram got to Canaan, the place of promise. And century, years later, Joseph, during the famine, goes down to Egypt. And you know the story how God raises him up out of the prison, puts him in the palace, which is a great story. Everything he learned in the prison made him effective in the palace. And then God prepared them for this worldwide famine. Then Joseph's family comes down to Egypt and says, hey, y'all aren't in a famine and we've got connections to the White House. We're going to move in here. Hundreds of years later, they're not where they are supposed to be. And so they get enslaved and they begin to deal with bondage. All of the yucky, evil stuff of being in bondage, being slaves. And then God miraculously, out of nowhere, comes and gets them. Have you ever had God out of nowhere come and get you? Moses was on, he wasn't just in the desert. The Bible says he was on the backside of the desert. I don't know what the difference is, but I would think the backside of the desert is worse than the desert. And that's where God comes. They're just slaves. Slave mentality. That's just what we do. Inferior, poor, broke. No future, no destiny, no hope, no promise. That's a tough life to live. And God comes and miraculously on the backside of the desert, this tree becomes a holy ground. And Moses notices it's on fire, but it's not burning up. And Moses turns aside and, aside and he, he goes, that's a strange deal. And then he hears a voice and God calls him and you know the story. He says, you're going to go to Pharaoh and tell him, let my people go. And he says, take your shoes off, it's holy ground. And this is a picture of God just miraculously going, I don't like my people being enslaved, so I'm coming to bring you out. And he does that. How many of you are glad he comes to bring you out? Um, how many of you ever been brought out? How many of you need to be brought out right now? Like brought out of what's going on? And so then it's a miraculous series of events. Moses is a stutterer. He's totally unqualified. 
How he becomes the leader, only God knows. And God uses the humble, broken, because when God does something miraculously, he wants to get the credit, not some sharp politician or some you know, law school graduate who's you know, all dapper and all that. When God does something, he does something through somebody that's like, that had to be God. And, that, and that's exactly what happened. And so then the plagues come, crazy plagues. And then finally, Pharaoh says, y'all get out of here. If y'all don't get out of here, out of Egypt, we want all of our slaves, the people of God, Israelites, you all leave. And then they get there and you know what happens. As they're trying to leave, there's the Egyptian army, Pharaoh's army coming after them. And to get out, there's a, a, a Red Sea and it miraculously parts. They go across, and you know the rest of the story. They look back, the sea comes back together, and the Egyptian army is drowned. And so they're out. And after all of that, they get out for, the Bible says, exactly one month. And they start complaining. And they say things like this. And they're complaining to Moses and Aaron. And what happens is sometimes when God is moving in your life and it's him, listen, bringing you from a transition from bondage to destiny, from slavery to freedom. Sometimes when God is orchestrating those events, you're tempted to blame someone, a person. And God speaks to Moses and said, they don't have a problem with you. They have a problem with me. And so they say things like this. Um, We'd rather still be slaves. We don't like this freedom because we're hangry. Back then, we used to sit around Outback Steakhouse in Stony River with more meat than we could eat. And if we had a choice right now, we would go back. It's a good thing God closed that Red Sea, isn't it? They couldn't go back. And so the Bible says God hears their complaint and then he speaks to Moses about what he's going to do. Verse 11 in chapter 16, I think it is. It says this. Then the Lord said to Moses, I have heard the Israelites' complaints. Now tell them, in the evening, you will have meat to eat, and in the morning, you will have all the bread you want. (laughs) Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. Verse 13. That evening, vast numbers of quail flew in and covered the camp. And the next morning, the area around the camp was wet with dew. When the dew evaporated, a flaky substance as fine as frost blanketed the ground. I mean, sugar flakes. Tony the tiger was bringing out frosted flakes right there for the people of God. Verse 15, and the Israelites were puzzled when they saw it. And they said, what is it? They asked each other. They had no idea what it was. And Moses told them, it is the food the Lord has given you to eat. These are the Lord's instructions. Each household should gather as much as it needs. Pick up two quarts for each person in your tent. So the people of Israel did as they were told. Some gathered a lot, some only a little. 
But when they measured it out, everyone had just enough. Those who gathered a lot had nothing left over. And those who gathered only a little had enough. And listen, I say this over you this morning. Each family had just what it needed. Then Moses told them, do not keep any of it until morning. But some of them didn't listen and kept some of it until morning. But by then it was full of maggots and had a terrible smell. And Moses was very angry with them. We learned some lessons right here in this simple story. The first lesson that we learn is Father God is trustworthy. Can I get a witness? You can trust God. He's never let anyone down, ever. If he lets you down, I've said it before, we'll write a book, do a movie, and we'll both all be wealthy. And we'll ride off in the sunset together. He's not ever, ever, ever let anyone down. He's trustworthy. Remember, it was he and he was the one who raised up a leader out of nowhere on the backside of the desert with a burning bush. He was the one who sent the plagues, part of the Red Sea, provided a cloud by day and fire by night, water from a rock, and now food from heaven. Psalm 78, when it recounts this, says in verse 24 and 5, he rained down manna for them to eat. He gave them bread from heaven. They ate the food of angels. God gave them all they could hold. I want to say to somebody this morning, you can still trust God. He knows everything you're going through. He knows everything you're going. He knows more about what you're going through what you're going to go through. He knows all the circumstances and the conditions in which you find yourself. He knows everything about COVID, pandemics, vaccines. He knows who the former president was, who the current one is, who the next one will be, if there will be one, and the one after that and after that. How many of you know we serve an omnipotent, sovereign God who providentially reigns over the affairs of man, and he is trustworthy? So the first thing that they are learning is he's trustworthy. Second thing they're learning is to get your manna every morning. The word manna literally is translated, what is it? And look here, look at me, brothers and sisters. You need to learn to get your manna every morning too. You need to wake up every morning saying, okay, what is it? What is it you're saying? And what is it you're doing? And what is it that I'm supposed to do? And I want you to, I want to encourage, I'm, I'm going to stretch some people, okay? You need to learn to get your manna before you post your update on Facebook in the morning. Um, or Instagram, Snapchat, TikTok, whatever it is you do. Listen, because manna melts when the sun comes up. And when the sun comes up in the noonday, your day and the activities and the schedule has melted away your opportunity to hear from God. And if some of you would just, and I'm not talking, you don't have to, you know, spend an hour with the Lord in the mornings, but I've, I've challenged you many times to just in the morning before your feet hit the bed, tell the Lord, I'm giving you this day 
And I'm asking you to fill me with your spirit and lead me by your spirit. If you just did that before you check Facebook and how many likes you've got on Instagram, manna, what is it you're saying to me today, Lord? What is it you're doing in my life right now? How am I supposed to live? What is it going on? We've got to learn the second lesson. Get your manna every morning. And then thirdly, and this is what I want to really, really drill down and talk to you for a few minutes about. You've got to learn to follow the instructions. When you find out what it is, you need to do what he tells you to do. They were told to go out and get enough for their family for one day. But after running out of food, being in the desert, you know, put yourself there. I, I have some mercy on these guys. I mean, you've got your children, your family, from bondage to destiny, and that's a precarious situation for us dads and moms, for us as people. Many of us live our life between coming out of bondage and arriving at destiny. And they didn't bring enough food for 40 years. You can't bring enough food for 40 years. They had enough for a few weeks. The problem is, it was just an 11-day journey to get to the promised land, but because of all the human interaction and the, the, the relational conflict, that 11-day journey turned into 40 years. And so here they are a month in with no resources, no food. And Moses tells them, go out and get enough for today. Don't get enough for today and tomorrow. And you know what happened. Some of them thought, I don't think he meant that for me because I'm an exception. Candace and I have seven children. I, I, I need to make sure we got enough for today and tomorrow. And this is what we do. We, need, we negotiate. And we don't follow wholeheartedly. And we think the rules can be bent or he's a God of grace. And what we don't realize is when we don't follow the instruction, you go to sleep for a little while, you get kind of numb to what's going on in the world and you wake up and there's an odor in your house and there's some foreign animals in your pantry. How many of you know just that right there is an evil thought. And I know for us, if there are bugs anywhere around, if there's stuff in the house, we gotta, we gotta get it out. And, and there's more than animals, you know, maggots and odor. And what happens is, listen, we have blessings that God gives us to sustain us. Blessings. And when we mismanage those, they do not remain as blessings. Now, I'm speaking to a crowd of people that we are some of the most blessed people on the planet. My son Stone came back and said, Dad, we're, one, we're, we're in the 1%. Like, I know. He's like, no, you don't know. We're in the 1%. You know, I, I love living in North Atlanta. I've been here since 1989. But hear me, we're, we're spoiled. We are blessed. 
And there's nothing wrong with that blessing. But hear me, it takes the Holy Spirit in me in my obedience to his leadership for me to not allow the blessings in my life to be mismanaged and then me wake up one day and there's a stinky something in my house. You know, we are a, we're an Avalon culture. Can you be a dedicated Avalon Christian? Because when blessings are not managed, you know what they become? Curses. But when blessings are managed, you know what they become? Legacy. Now we're blessed and there's nothing wrong for it. And our praise is, you know, there's passionate praise that's offered up every week in this place because we are grateful to God for all that we have. But human nature levels off. Human nature settles in. And before you know it, Disney World tells you, you deserve all this stuff. And you're blessed. And before you know it, you're like, I'm blessed, but I'm not blessed as much as I'd like to be. And there are people around me, they're more blessed than me. And I start getting jealousy, jealous, and, and then James says where jealousy and greed exist, every form of evil will be present. And it takes the Holy Spirit in me that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. God hasn't given me a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. And it's his spirit in me that helps me keep my blessings in the proper perspective. Now, I say it because as a youth pastor, I, I watched parents with talented children worship grades or sports and all-star travel teams. And then one day, we were given some talented kids who qualified for special stuff. And God helped us. And I'm grateful that we have good kids. They're not perfect kids. But Candace and I never let those things rule our family schedule we never let those things rise above the priority that we set in our house. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And I'm speaking to you as a pastor who loves you. Your children know who the God of your house is. And when he is truly Lord of your house, there is a blessing and a favor that will be upon your children. And you won't have to worry about your blessings turning to curses. They will turn to a beautiful legacy. Several years ago, Candace, we had looked for a number of years for a little place on the lake. And the Lord blessed us with a, I mean, he blessed us with a beautiful little place on the north end of Lanier. And I said to Candace then, and we remind ourselves often, I'm just being real with you because this is how it fleshes out. I said to her, you know, we... 
God's moving, there's things happening, and we can't let that be a distraction. And I was like, I don't need one more yard to keep, honey. I mean, you, we need a part-time person just to help us get all of our kids' emissions testings done. In fact, that should be part of the dream team. If anybody at the church would like to volunteer to help us. You know, I've got an old Jeep. I've got an old Land Cruiser. I've got an old motorcycle. And you start sitting around going, I don't even ride it because it's, the battery's dead. It's been sitting there so long. And our lake house, and we're thankful for a little getaway. And years when we first came back here, I'm, I would go there to, from Wednesday till Friday and pray and get the word of the Lord and come back and preach on Sundays. And we're thankful for it. And it's been a great place for our family to celebrate birthdays. But what I'm saying to you is, It'd be easy for me to be, become kind of the conference pastor where I live at the lake Monday through Saturday and I come in and preach on Sundays. And this time of year, I'm going to just tell you, it's, real, it's more tempting than others. But the Lord has helped us keep things and keep them, put them in the right perspective and keep them there. And I just want to challenge you this morning while we're focused on pandemic and economy and politics. There's a million things causing us to lose or tempting us to get our eyes off of the main focus. And that is, let them decide what they want to do. They can serve the gods of whatever, but as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Candace and I, the last couple days, I get moved every time I I talk about this. We are children of legacy. Much of who we are is not anything we've done. It's what our parents and grandparents did. They were breakthrough generation people. Her sweet grandfather, the one, her mother, Candace's mother was one of 27 children. That's a godly, fruitful man who replenished the earth. You know, seven in our family is nothing. 27 owned 1,100 acres outside of Raleigh, North Carolina. Get this, 27 children. Guess what the name of their town is? Middlesex. Middlesex, North Carolina. And for years, R.J. Reynolds and others wanted to lease that land, and it would have meant millions of dollars to grow tobacco. But he did not feel that that would honor the Lord. And from that generation, from him, dozens of pastors and preachers, people like Tracy Stone and Jensen Franklin and Craig Stone, books have been written. I married into that family. And on my side of the family, decisions my mother and my father made, her dad had the idea of Moe's and Chipotle before it came along, and he was a restaurateur and was involved in McDonald's in the early years. And he had the idea, of, and, and he had one opportunity to do it, but they wanted to sell alcohol. Now, this isn't about alcohol. It's about convictions. But, but my father-in-law said he, he didn't feel a release that he could do that, 
and be blessed. And, and so what we stand here today with the, the blessing over our children, over our family, over our marriage, and we are the result of legacy blessing. Now, some of you may not have, some of you are that exact same thing, but some of you are the breakthrough generation and your decisions about how you're going to manage your lake house, your straight A honor roll student who got 1550 on her ACT or SAT and the potential for, and, and that all-star shortstop, how you manage that. And those opportunities. And you don't get more enamored with that than you do the house of the Lord and the things of the Lord. Leg Legacy is coming to your house. Your children are going to rise and call you blessed. Your children and your children's children are going to serve the Lord. And your children's children's children are going to serve the Lord. If you will say, all right, this manna, I'm going to do with it what God tells us to do with it. If he can drop manna from heaven every one morning and send fresh quail in the evening, I'm just tempted to trust he'll do it again tomorrow. And then again tomorrow and again tomorrow. And there are many scriptures that address this spirit of greed. Um, I'm jumping all over the place on my notes. I know they're up there praying, oh God, give us a revelation on how to follow him today. Let me just give you, um, so closing, there's, there's three points, I think. Is that right? Oh, wow. Uh, there, let me just give you this whole lesson of what just, you go, it's just manna, Pastor Chuck. No, it's more than that. God told them, God's always using your circumstances to teach you. Like he says this, um, he says, on Saturday, go ahead and get enough for today and tomorrow. Because tomorrow, I don't want y'all to have to get out of bed early. That's a day of rest. And what you get today will be good for tomorrow. And on Sunday morning, they walk, you know somebody had to go. You think any's out there? Dang. There ain't no manna out there. I'm glad we got some yesterday. <sighs> Honey, we're supposed to rest today. And the Sabbath principle of rest is instituted. And so the lessons that we have, it's a big deal. The first one is greed stinks. Proverbs chapter one, verse 19. Such is the fate of all who are greedy for money. It robs them of life. Proverbs 10, verse two. Tainted wealth has no lasting value, but right living can save your life. The Lord will not let the godly go hungry. Can I get a witness? Listen to this, Ecclesiastes 5. Those who love money will never have enough. How meaningless to think that wealth brings true happiness. The more you have, the more people come to help you spend it. So what good is wealth except perhaps to watch it slip through your fingers? People who work hard sleep well, whether they eat little or much. But the rich 
seldom get a good night's sleep. There's another serious problem I have seen under the sun. Hoarding riches harms the saver. Money is put into risky investments that turn sour and everything is lost. In the end, there's nothing left to pass on to one's children. We all come to the end of our lives as naked and empty-handed as on the day we were born. We can't take our riches with us. And this, too, is a very serious problem. People leave this world no better off than when they came. All their hard work is for nothing, like working for the wind. Throughout their lives, they live under a cloud, frustrated, discouraged, and angry. Even so, I have noticed one thing at least that is good. It is good for people to eat, drink, and enjoy their work under the sun during the short life God has given them and to accept their lot in life. And the last verse, everybody listen. And it is a good thing to receive wealth from God and the good health to enjoy it, to enjoy your work and accept your lot in life. This is indeed a gift from God. God keeps such people so busy enjoying life that they take no time to brood over the past. Would you, somebody just receive that and let the word just wash over you this morning? Come on. Amen. But blessings, the second lesson, they must be stewarded. And then thirdly, because I got to jump down, you know, blessings that are not stu- stewarded properly begin to stink. Um, oh, I have so much to say just that I just, life is just, God is just speaking this morning. But let me close with these, these three things that I did want to mention in closing. So, Pastor Chuck, what do I do? If, how do I even know if I'm not managing my blessings properly? Good question. Three things. Number one, you need to acknowledge God as the giver of every good and perfect gift. Everybody look here. I have what God has given me, not what I've earned. What God has given me, I have. Anything else has me. The good and perfect stuff comes from him. Secondly, consecrate everything you have. Whether God gave it to you, you got it, whatever you have. Consecrate everything you have as a resource for the kingdom. You're put here to leave the world better. We are put here not to just build up a nest egg. We are put here to see others come to know Jesus Christ as their savior. I'm gonna say that again. We were put here to see others come to know Jesus Christ as their savior and their Lord. Thirdly and lastly, steward the much or little you have with wisdom. Do with it what God tells you to do. Some people have little because that's all God can trust them with. Some have lots because God can trust them with it. Some have lots, but it really has them. So this morning, I was faithful to tell you what the Lord told me to tell you. And I want you to be a, a, a body of people, families that you walk in confidence, in faith, in trust, not worrying 
about what's going to happen tomorrow. Manna's going to be there. Not worrying about, oh, did God know I'd have to make a choice to get a shot to keep my job? Mismanaged blessings become curses. Managed blessings become legacy. You are free from fear and lack and worry and anxiety. Listen, sir, can I speak to you? Give your work to God and watch him truly bless. He wants to be the provider for your family. He just wants to use you but he is your provider. Are y'all out there this morning? Um, Stand with me. There's a verse, I didn't even think of this, but it's coming to my mind. I just hear the Holy Spirit saying it. If you've never read this, you need to look up Proverbs chapter 28, and it says this. Listen closely. The wicked flee when no one prospers. Wicked, evil, disconnected, people who are disconnected from God... They, they live in paranoia. The wicked flee when no one prospers. But the righteous are as bold as a lion. They live in confidence. They live in faith in the name of Jesus. You received that this morning? Father, I just want to pray for everybody here. If you're here today and, and, and you're, you're struggling to trust, you're here today You're trying your best, but you can't help get free from the fear of what you're dealing with in this current environment. If you're here today, I want you, and and you're struggling in these situations, I want you to just raise your hand. Raise it as as an act of, I surrender to you, Lord. I need your help. I need your covering. I need to trust you for my provision for me and my family. Come on, just hold them up high in the name of Jesus. Is someone around you has their hands up. I want you to just point your, your hand in their direction. And I want to speak, you know, I, I, I see, um, Tim, I see some of you who are business owners and some of you in food service and, and restaurant. And I just, I want to bless you. I want to speak over your, over your business, not just survival. We want to speak blessing And may that place, may that Warm Waves coffee shop downtown Alpharetta become a place for ministry and coffee. Some of y'all thought coffee was a ministry. It's a way for ministry, but we speak blessing over that in the name of Jesus. So everybody who has their hands up, Lord, I thank you for these men and women. I thank you for the talents you've given them. I thank you for the ways that you have blessed them. And I now ask, Lord as they have heard your word, that they would place their confidence in you, that they would stand on your word. And as we sang earlier, Lord, that they would be built up in your love. I pray that no weapon formed against them will prosper. And I pray, Lord, as we are all moving from bondage to destiny in that transition, may we trust you with the circumstances. Lead us, guide us, put your spirit in us, speak to us through your word and use us for your glory. And over the people in this house right now this morning, I do speak true biblical prosperity, healthy bodies, happy marriages, strong families, 
prosperous, hopeful, faith-filled futures. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And as the enemy would come at us from one direction, may we truly see Deuteronomy chapter 28, because we are walking in obedience to you. May we see our adversary flee in seven directions, because you have got us covered by your blessing in the name of Jesus. Come on, if you receive that this morning, just receive it and praise him. Praise your name, Lord. Praise your name, Father. And now as you go, in the word of the Lord, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you, be gracious unto you. May he lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. You receive it, say it, I receive it. God bless you. Have a great afternoon.